Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of the Digital Side Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Madrew, Vice President of Pre-Sales Solution Architecture at Iron Mountain, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Dowd, our Chief Solution Architect. James? Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? Uh, you might have noticed that we are not in the office in Boston this week. We are actually broadcasting from our respective homes. Um, you know, this is a confession. Uh, Cliff and I are now in a long-distance relationship, so we Skype a lot and we talk on the uh, the camera. So you're now seeing a little bit behind the scenes. This is how we interact. So uh, it's good to see you again, Cliff. Good to speak to you, sir. Yes, <laughs> and welcome, everybody. Okay, well, today's topic, we want to cover a, a pretty large topic today, but it's an interesting one, and I believe a lot of people will get a lot of value out of it. Today we want to talk about transformation um, from both the perspective of IT transformation and digital transformation. And I was engaged in a conversation a couple of weeks ago at a CIO event uh, with a, a particular CIO. And it was interesting because he was talking me through some of his, what he was calling digital transformation efforts. And what I found interesting about it is everything that he was describing to me was really just IT transformation. And I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, cloudiness, if you will, uh, because, it, you know, pun intended, right? The cloud is involved in a lot of transformation efforts, but, uh, and both, you know, both James and I are dads, so we're allowed to make dad jokes on this podcast, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot that goes into both IT transformation and digital transformation, but there's a very clear differentiation between the two. And even at Iron Mountain, you know, we think about, how we can best serve our customers. And so I want to talk through from our customers lens and the conversations that I've had, what I've learned uh, around IT transformation. And, you know, in this particular case, the gentleman was describing conversion of, you know, uh, machines from physical to virtual, you know, changing database applications and, you know, changing how they're uh, provisioning storage and leveraging the cloud. And, um, you know, those things really are transformation projects in IT. Um, and they're not necessarily the, the driving force uh, behind what one would deem digital transformation. And, you know, I'll, I'll let James get into some, some examples and some things that, that uh, you know, he's experienced in conversation. But before I do, I just want to talk about the definitions of, you know, both of those things. From an IT transformation perspective, this is really an assessment and overhaul of an organization's information technology systems, at least as described uh, and prescribed by, by Google. But, you know, if you, what I mean by that, really, it's changing out components of IT and how it's delivered, you know, as a support function of something bigger, typically, right? And, and again, that's within your information technology system. So it may be, you know, going from having a physical server to a virtual machine that's hosted in Amazon, right? Leveraging on-premise storage or leveraging S3 compatible storage or, or block storage within a cloud. And, you know, those things, although critical to digital transformation, they don't necessarily drive digital transformation. Digital transformation, and I'm going to read um, uh, a little excerpt from an article that I, that was, I think was on uh, CIO Magazine, you know, digital transformation marks a radical rethinking of how an organization uses technology, people, and processes to fundamentally change business performance. And that's really where the difference 
lies, right? Digital transformation is about how you impact the business. Um, and that's really important because business transformation is a totally different state of mind than IT transformation. It changes how you approach challenges um, and, and how you deal with specific challenges within an organization. And we, you know, collectively, um, whether that is humanity or Iron Mountain as a business or, you know, you as an individual really need to start thinking through that lens because it supports how businesses improve their customer experience, how they meet regulations, how they meet business objectives, improve revenue, you know, get more efficiencies and lower costs. You know, all of those things play into a digital transformation effort. And it's really all about that business or line of business within an organization and again, thinking about a problem or a challenge or, you know, in the case of myself and my team, how we architect a solution, it really matters how that impacts the business and it really changes, you know, how you look at a problem. So I'll, I'll pause there and, and, you know, hand it over to James to talk through that in a little bit more detail. Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, the major differentiator, right? When you're talking about uh, digital transformation versus IT transformation. So I spent a good amount of my career, 15, 16 years working for internal IT organizations as an engineer. And when we would think about something that was transformative, you know, I think you said it, but just to echo the sentiment, you know, you're talking about something that's very specific around a very specific and defined IT process, right? I'm going to change the way I store something. I'm going to change what database I use. Um, more recently, I'm going to go from an on-premise solution to something in the cloud. Those are very discrete things. They influence a very specific process that's defined and you're simply swapping in and out components, right? The challenge with IT, and, and, and I noticed it when I was working in IT, and really I, I really noticed it when I transitioned into consulting and to business, IT sometimes gets fixated on the idea of technology for technology, where you're simply swapping one for one because you want to commoditize what you have to lower cost, right? Where you're simply saying, all right, this cost me X and effort and money and investment. If I go to an alternative, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be Y. That's the change I want to make, right? But that change is motivated simply by the technology change. When you look at digital transformation more holistically from a business perspective, the differentiator is that anything that's going to be done around a, you know, quote unquote, digital transformation is going to be driven by data. And it's often driven by the data that an organization already has, but isn't able to access and use effectively. So where technology comes into that is enabling the access to that data and then the ability to use it in a meaningful way. So a digital transformation is usually about taking something that the company knows but can't access accessing the data and then finding new insights, opportunities, and revenue streams for the business. And that's a real departure from doing IT just for the sake of doing IT. So when I went into consulting, I'm working almost 10 years ago now, but since I, I went into a different kind of thing other than engineering, the guy who was mentoring me said that you want to move as close to the money as possible, right? So what he meant by that is you want to get as close to the stream of income. That's where you really start contributing to the business. A business transformation is often a profit center or it's a direct uh, way to, to prevent a loss, like from compliance or fines or something like that. There's real money tied to it. IT often is very abstracted from that. You know, it's, hey, I have a budget. I need to implement, you know, I want to go from Oracle to SQL or I want to go from SAP to Oracle ERP, right? Something like that. It's very abstracted from the business goals a lot of the time. 
in my opinion, that's the differentiator between an IT transformation, straight IT transformation, and a digital transformation. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you brought up that, that CIO, you know, it kind of illustrates that point. Those guys often think in terms of, you know, what's good for IT. Really, where you, you're bang for the buck is, is thinking about what's good for the business. Yeah, and I would say, I think, I mean, that was one of many conversations that day and, and many other leaders, right, were really thinking through through that lens, right, around the business. And, and um, you know, that that's something you look at our CIO, you look at many CIOs um, that are out there. I, I think they've there's really been a shift and a transformation in their mindset, right? And I think that's why it's important because, you know, if, if you went back, you know, 10, 5, 10, 15 years ago, uh, it probably would have been very different, right? I think um, the it can't be understated the importance of IT within the organization because they help drive that, the transformation of the environment that supports some digital transformation effort, right? And they become a you know a key part of that. So I would say the technology you know simply didn't exist five or ten years ago, and and you're right. One of the things that drives it is you know, and it it sounds like a given now, but what drives it is surplus compute network and storage. So when IT infrastructure modernized, especially when it moved to things like uh, virtualization, which really opened up a whole new you know, playing field of IT, you no longer were building machines that just had enough capacity to do this thing, right? You were building machines that had tremendous amounts of processors and memory and storage. And that surplus allowed you to look at doing other things with your data. So I think you know, it's almost inherently that IT is involved in the transformation. But the question becomes, what drives the transformation? Not how it's implemented necessarily, but philosophically, what's driving the transformation? Is it acquiring a revenue stream? Is it acquiring insights about your customer? Or is it simply making infrastructure changes for the sake of making infrastructure changes? And in my mind, that's the real difference. Right. Yeah, and we've done a lot at Iron Mountain on both sides uh, of that equation. But I can tell you, you know, with a shift in our strategy, where we're really trying to focus is on you know, the side of digital around what is driving the business, right? And what type of value-added services can we enable, f you know, for customers, right, as a partner uh, to help them through that transformation. And, um, you know, there are, there are IT components to that. Um, but when you get into, you know, some of the services that we've offered in the past and really where we're looking to go in the future, right, that's a big area of focus for us. It's really about helping that digital effort and bringing together, you know, a portfolio of solutions that can better enable customers uh, to, to get that value that you just described, right? Whether that's, whether that's extracting data, um, whether that's changing a process, right? Because in our world where we really help customers that are moving from a physical world, you know, paper-based world or backup tape-based world to a digital world where, we can improve their process by doing a digital workflow in, in place of something that was manual and, and you know, and physical based uh, before. Um, that process improvement can be part of a bigger transformation strategy because like you said before, now you're enabling access to data that either didn't exist digitally before, right? Or uh, wasn't accessible. Right, right. Or wasn't accessible before. And now you can take that data and leverage it to do new things that drive new business, right? That drive better process that drive greater efficiencies in the business. So 
so again, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a phrase that's thrown around, but I think it's worth, it was worth just digging in. And, and from here, I think it, you know, we can just maybe talk through some examples, um, sure. of, you know, of things that we've observed and, and, and even, I know we're going to bring up some customer examples of customers that we've worked with that truly have gone through a digital transformation effort. I want to describe that and talk a little bit about our, you know, our part of that effort. And then I think it will allow us to reflect on where we're going, um, as a business and where we've been. So. So I think what you're you're gonna see in that right, and, and one of the examples that jumps to mind is kind of a funny one because uh, it just happened. Uh, digital transformation is happening everywhere, right? So the market is is essentially an oligarchy now. It's a stable market. There's a couple of players that commoditize everything they can commoditize. So driving data and insights into data and, and how to engage with customers and and things like that is now the future, right? And it's happening everywhere. So kind of amusingly this afternoon, and I, I don't know how happy my son will be with me telling the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So my son is uh, 13, he's in middle school. And I got an email today uh, from the school that says he was late twice, and that if he's late again, he's going to get detention, right? So that reminded me, and and, and I, you know, I talked to Cliff a little bit about it, but I'll, I'll share the story again. When I was in high school, um, I came up with the brilliant idea of uh, never, ever, ever handing in a uh, piece of paper that had my mother or father's signature on it, right? So if you were going to be late or you were going to be absent, you had to bring a note, right? That was before they digitized everything. So I just signed the note. They had nothing to compare it to. My mother's signature, I had been signing it from the get-go, and that's how I never got detention. I missed as much school as I wanted. I, you know, it's funny because you mentioned being a father. It's a very much a do as I say, not do as I do situation because I would be appalled if my children did it. But I felt like I was getting one over. And I always was pretty good with that. And, and you were able to get away with it. And even to the point where like the report card would come home and I would just take it out of the mail and rip it up. Right. So nobody would see it. There were no ways of, of tracking that. There was no effective way of informing people. Now, the data always existed. Right. The school always tracked that data. They've said no way of using it. But now all that stuff goes away, right? Because now it's a computer, right? That's sending an email because that's at the beginning of the year. They ask you, what's your email? My wife and I both put it in. And there's also a website that says, you know, your son has mixed X number of days. He's missed these many assignments. Not to say that he's a bad kid. He's actually a pretty good student. But just for the sake of this illustration, you really can't get away with anything. And it seems like a really mundane example, but that's a real tangible example of digital transformation. They're taking data that they already had that even five or 10 years ago, they couldn't effectively use. They're mining that data for insights about their user community, which in this case happens to be parents and students. And they've taken a digital process and they've said, all right, these are the criteria that you're meeting and now automatically notify, keep right. them in the loop. They're delivering, you know, if you look at it from a business perspective, they're delivering much better customer service. And they've eliminated a tremendous number of flaws in the process, you know, the ability to manipulate the system by simply digitizing and using the data in a different way. Now, that being said, right, and what I said to you before is it's almost tragic because, you know, that kind of American tradition of blowing off school and having those experiences, and, and, you know, we talked about it being like Ferris Bueller, you know, something I think in, in the soul of the student dies by doing this, but certainly the process is much I think there would be a difference of opinions on the subject. I would say that, you know, from a personal perspective, right, our traditions may have not been the same, but that's fine. <laughs> you know what? Look, look how I turned out. So you got that. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. Oh, Lord. The digital right. side podcast. That's what happened. 
<laughs> no, but I mean, and actually, you brought up earlier a good example um, of uh, of kind of uh, another market that that uh, is being disrupted. So we talked a lot on the last podcast. We talked a little bit about Uber and kind of how you know everyone is well aware of how that's uh, ride sharing and has disrupted the uh, transportation market. But uh, in this case, you know, we were talking about. Um, the used car market. So I'm going to just kick off with a, a quick, quick little video, and then we'll, we'll talk through it. Um, this is something that a commercial that I saw recently and, and James actually brought it up and, and I thought it was just a great way to think about disruption and how transformation is, is, you know, again, driving disruption in a market. So I'm going to play this real quick. So this company is called Carvana, and, and James is going to talk you through a little bit of their history and the relevancy and how we came across this. But you know what you're seeing here is a car vending machine. So this is changing the way that you can buy a used car and gain access to, uh, to uh, ultimately, you know, a, a, a much better selection of vehicles, right? And order. Um, yeah order of magnitude better selection of vehicles and so for those that are watching the video we just kind of played through that commercial for their car vending machine um but james i'll let you kind of just talk through you know the the experience and and what you've you know what you've observed yeah so i mean i I got into it as a consumer right so my wife's car is getting toward the end of its payments it's it's got a few miles on it we're considering either you know not having a few payments for a year if we could that'd be great or or getting another car and we recently uh my daughter uh is is in her last year of college so we bought her a car because you know presumably she's going to work at some point so we just went through the experience of going to a car dealer to buy a used car and what i noticed in that experience is you have a very limited you know, selection uh, by my house. Let's just for my sake, there's five car dealers that I would drive to that are reasonable to drive through. And each one of those has 20 cars, right? So we're talking about a pool of a hundred cars and maybe five or six of them meet my criteria. Right. And that's a very traditional buy to buy a used car. You're either going to, you know, a, a person, a classified ad, or you're going to, uh, you know, the side of a road where there's a car on the side of the road, or you're going to a dealer. And I would even say that, you know, the the idea of buying from a classified ad has gone away too, and that's a whole other digital transformation in and of itself. But right now, you're limited to a car dealer on the side of the road, uh, effectively. So when we bought this car, I said, all right, maybe I want to get a new car. Maybe I want to get my wife a car. So I started looking around, and what I discovered. Uh, from using Corvana is that I can buy a three-year-old car. Um, I was actually looking at a three-year-old Mercedes for less than it would cost for the Honda that I bought, right? Which sounds kind of crazy because they're not the same class of cars, but I was looking at a Mercedes with 9,000 miles on it that just came off a lease for like $23,000, $24,000. Very good deal. I was not able to duplicate going to duplicate that going to the car dealers. There was nothing comparable to that. Maybe one car, right? With Carvana, I went on there and I said, all right, I, I want a sunroof, right? And I want these models and I want this much mileage and I want this much uh, price to pay. And it brought me back literally hundreds and hundreds of examples of this car from all over the country. It takes data that exists already because uh, we actually did a little research into this company. They were founded in 1977 as a company called Ugly Ducklings in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, they were a rental car company, a little independent rental car company. 
and their business grew into going to auctions and buying cars and then selling them to a network of dealerships. Uh, they changed their name in, uh, I believe, 2002 to a company called Drive Time, which I'd actually heard of previously. But they were a used car company. They would buy wholesale used cars from auctions and they would sell them to, let's say, two or 300 dealers across the United States. That was their business. They had a revenue at the time uh, in 2012 of about uh, $780,000. Million. Uh, I'm sorry, million dollars. So they were sub a billion, but they weren't a small company, right? So what they did is they came up with this Carvana idea in 2012, and they actually ended up spinning it off in 2014. They took the exact same process they were doing, right, where they were buying the auction cars and they were holding them. And instead of selling them to a network of dealerships, they went out and they said, all right, what do we know about the way people buy cars, right? What are the obstacles to that? What are the advantages to that? What are the limitations of it, right? So the limitation is as a very small uh, selection locally, right? There's really no way to compare price or features locally. And then the limitation being is that most people want to drive a car before they buy it. And that's a big one if you're going to buy something on the internet. It's like buying shoes, right? Most people like to try shoes on before they buy a shoe. Cars, the same thing, but just a lot more expensive, right? So what they did is they actually started, uh, you know, by making hundreds of thousands of cars available to people from their website. And they give you seven days to test drive it. So that overcame that limitation. Plus, it gave you this tremendous amount of choices. And they could be price competitive and they can also set the price because there's no way to negotiate. And, the, and, you know, you don't have that. It's a, probably an overhead. There's probably a bump to buy from them, but it's so much more convenient and so much more selection that you feel like you're getting a deal. Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah. And time will tell on, I mean, that company in particular, but the point, right. The point is think well, about a, the technology involved, right. Sure. B that transformation effort totally reliant on an it transformation project right Absolutely. i can't imagine that rental car facility right is anything comparable to you know how this company so, evolved over that's there. the digital transformation so you're absolutely right and that's why it ties to revenue because they went from being spun off in 2012 uh they were publicly traded at the end of 2015 in 2016 their revenue uh was you know sub a billion it was about 800 and change million this year's revenue, you know, mid mid year is already tracking to be $2 billion. Right. So it's transforming their business from a revenue perspective. They took what they already knew how to do. They used improved IT processes. They got insight from the data they had and they made a giant new revenue stream, you know, doubled their revenue. Right. And, you know, they're even to the point and for a startup, it's a big deal. They are probably going to be profitable this year in two years. Their operating costs are coming down. Their their revenue is going up. You know, seemingly it's a successful company that that really is based on a tiny little rental car company that was founded 40 years ago in Tempe, Arizona, and right. now it's a two billion dollar business nationwide. Man, it's like it's like you know, somewhat it's like a company like a mushroom farm growing into a, a multi billion dollar uh, information management company. <laughs> hey, oh, that's. Uh... Now, Nobody gets that joke but us. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, everyone who's from Iron Mountain will get that joke. But uh, go go on yes. uh, Wikipedia, our, our, look, our, look our, up our Iron Mountain, and, and look at our history. Yeah, now we've had it, we've had yeah. quite an evolution as an organization, and we continue to do it. So it's pretty amazing. Um, so I want to bring it back to. I mean, it, that's a great example, um, and and some people I'm sure can relate. I'm sure they've seen the commercials out there, but I think it's always great to have something that we've had personal experience in, and um, sure. you know we helped a customer pretty recently um 
this is a public utility provider um, uh, for for elect, uh, electricity, and um, you know they were going through a pretty decent digital transformation effort. And what I like about this story is that we were really involved in part of the IT transformation that was tied to that overall effort. And I think this will help delineate between you know, IT transformation and digital transformation and how different organizations can play a part because we really were helping them transform a component of their IT environment. Uh, we weren't necessarily hel helping them on these, you know, the services that were enabling this digital transformation. And so I think it's a great example. Um, and I, before we kick off and, you know, before I have you start with the conversation for that particular customer, I think it's important to know that, you know, IT transformation is almost always a part of digital transformation project, right? Um, in, in many cases, not every case, but nearly every case, right? There's going to be some IT system that is going to you know, uh, be along for the ride, so to speak. Um, but I it, think you'd be hard pressed to find an example where it's not. I mean, the digital part of the digital transformation is IT. I yeah. mean, that's a lot of it. Well, I think what will end up happening, though, is you'll have, it's like you said earlier, IT, you know, starts to become a commodity, right? In many cases, it is a commodity today. And as most organizations standardize on that commodity, and it, listen, it'll continue to evolve, right? You'll still have these projects. I don't think... They may not be to the same degree that they are now or they have been when virtualization came out, um, right? But at some point, you're going to have a pretty solid platform that is, you know, managed. It's in a cloud, wherever it might be. And then you're going to focus a lot of time and energy around, you know, your digital needs, right? Your information management type needs, right? Your, your needs around accessing data around providing a better service to customers, right? Process improvement, right? Meeting some regulatory needs, like we talked about before, the things that really we categorize under digital transformation, I think you'll see a lot of the focus because you'll, you know, you'll have that solid core foundation and then what you build on that, right? You can, you can build more than one thing in potentially. And those are the examples that maybe won't be so much pulling along a major leap in the IT transformation, right? Um, but anyway, I, I just think it's important to note that, but let's talk a little bit about this particular customer and you know, what they were doing and kind of where we played and where we didn't play. Sure. So I actually did the design on this one. So this is a, a major public utility, major public utility. And the nature of the product uh, project, uh, you know, Cliff's point is we only got on the tail end of it. We actually helped them with their uh, compliance portion of it. Uh, where the data was then archived because uh, they're public, so they got audited. So we had to archive the data from them. But the gist of the project was that they are replacing the traditional electric meters that are on houses and apartments and commercial buildings with electronic meters, uh, smart meters. So what those would essentially do is instead of somebody coming out to your house or your business and reading the meter, right, and, you know, the guy comes on with a pad or, or a tablet and actually notes your, this would be reporting your power usage in real time. So why is that important from a transformation standpoint? Well, there's a few reasons from my perspective. First of all, you know, if you're like me, uh, you probably have a, a balanced budget for your uh, electric, right? That's how we pay for it. So every year they tell us you're going to pay X amount every month because that's predicted off of my last year's power consumption. And what sometimes happens more often than I like, but sometimes happens in October or November, they come to me in the guard, you use 25, 30% more power than we anticipated and you owe us X amount of money, right? 
so that's a hassle for me and it's a hassle for the company because they have to collect they have to send people out to do it they have to estimate and they have to figure out you know what's my energy usage for next year based on these estimates right off the bat the smart meters eliminate that because they're giving real-time data you no longer have to send anybody out so you can potentially save that cost and you also have the ability to um to uh actually have the billing be in real time so you don't have to sit there and, and true up the bill at the end of the year which improves your accounts receivable process but what it also does and i think this is the more fundamental transformation is it allows the electric company to predict their usage in a more reasonable way so they don't have things like brownouts in the in the summer so you're not in a situation where we predicted you know we needed x amount of energy but we really needed y and now we're not serving the customers or more to their bottom line it's not july and i'm 50 or 60 percent over my energy consumption that i projected and i have to buy oil emergency or i have to buy power from another grid on an emergency which exponentially increases my cost the transformative part of this is is it becomes a heck of a lot more efficient right it becomes a heck of a lot cheaper and it also allows them to look at the data that they have in a meaningful way to control their costs, but also to be more green. And yeah. that's a very popular thing now, right? Well, it's popular. And, I mean, it's direct impact on the business, right? There's there's sure. so much goodness about this this story only because it's it's a transformation project that legitimately, you know, is, is a digital transformation effort. It uses right. Internet of Things devices, right? So now you yeah. have these smart meters, right, that are connected devices. And replacing digital. devices that are 25, 30 years old that are completely analog. Right. So it's actually digital, right? Right. It is actually, you know, a digital conversion project. But but again, it's it, it kind of it, 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 it's a good, you know, it's a it's a really good example of an Internet of Things deployment. It's creating a heck of a lot more data, right? But they're immediately leveraging that data and seeing return on, I'm sure this was a massive investment, right? And and this is where you can clearly see the line between what it means to have digital transformation. Now I'm going to talk, you know, let, now let's talk about our piece of, you know, our piece of this, right? Because what we really serve for this particular customer um, was more along the data protection and the storage side, right? And, and it was around an IT transformation effort because they wanted to leverage the cloud for this particular part of the service. Um, but, but uh, you know, not, we weren't necessarily in this case helping on, on the broader transformation effort. We were focused really on part of the IT transformation that was pulled along with this, correct? Yeah, that's my my involvement was primarily around storage and compliance. Right, that's correct. Okay, so you know, just talk a little bit about what that was. So in in our case, we're offering a cloud storage service, right, for for their uh, long term retention data to meet compliance needs, right? Yeah. So this was taking the data that they were using uh, from the the new smart meters that was being generated by the smart meters, and they were storing it. So. There's actually two parts to that. So yes, the, the primary driver was compliance, right? They needed this data kept for X number of years, but it was also formatted in a way that it could be accessed. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, although we didn't do it for this particular customer, we were more storage based, but stuff that we do for other customers and stuff that was being done here, uh, you know, by another uh, product, but it's still being done, was taking that data and then mining it for business insights, right? So the important part, ultimately, of, of any of these transformations is that you need the data in a usable format. You need to be able to say, you know, it's not, you know, I hate to say it, but it's not bound on a tape. It's not on a piece of paper. It's not, 
you know, in some really proprietary format, it's in something that's usable and accessible because, you know, once the data is in that format and that's really what this project accomplished, you know, in addition to compliance, you know, you'll discover ways to use the data, right? So an old boss once said to me that if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? It's sort of the same concept. Once you have this data, you almost become acclimated to mining it, to figuring out different ways to use it. Putting the data in a usable format is a big part of the digital transformation. It was for this particular client, and it is in general, because you can graft on tons of services around that. You know, you can graft on hundreds of things, AI, ML, tons of things, once the data is usable. Exactly. And I think that's, um, I mean, again, that's a great, great way to pivot into how, you know, we think about our customers and how we think about the evolution of our service portfolio, right? This is a great example where, you know, we solved a problem for our customer, right? We, we met the requirement around long-term data retention. We met the security requirements that they had, right? They had very specific needs and we were able to meet them. But where we go with many other customers, right? And where we continue to evolve our portfolio, you look at our platform called Insight, right? Which is our analytics capability. Um, you know, that's a, a great example of, you know, this is the type of a data set where we can help customers extract value. You know, we have endless numbers of examples of customers who have changed from a physical to a digital workflow, right? And, and you know, we've helped them through that process again. You know, once you create that kind of, uh, you know, that repository of digital information, and once you, uh, you know, once you have the appropriate tools, you can truly help a customer through, um, you know, through a, a real digital transformation project. And that's where our focus is. And that doesn't start or end with analytics. No, I mean, I mean, analytics is important, but it's once you have the data, you can do a lot of cool stuff. You know, I would even say that, you know, analytics is kind of programmed into a lot of the stuff. It's kind of the core of it. But the options that you have there are endless. I mean, once the data is there, you could do, you know, classification where, you know, you could do an AI program or a machine learning program that can go into your data and discover different groupings and different relationships between it. Uh, you can do compliance and governance in ways that you're really not able to do now, especially around things like the requirements in the European Union. Um, once you have the data, you can sanitize the data. Yeah. Sounds like something that, you know, it might not be, you know, sexy, but it's compliant and it, and it'll cost you money if you don't do it. Yeah. You know, and, well, and it's complex, right? So if you, well, it's very complex, yeah. and, and this is where, you know, this is where I've seen we really shine and just, it's a, it's a massive challenge uh, for the market because some of it's that physical data, like we talked about creating, you know, this Absolutely. digital repository. Some of it is existing digital information that is, you know, uh, that needs to be brought together, right, with this data, right? And how do you, you know, you, even doing the classification of that data before it even hits the repository and understanding what exists in some of your other cloud environments or your on-premise environment, uh, you know, all, all of that effort around, knowing the information, you know, migrating that information if required or analyzing it in place, you know, just, uh, and then, you know, and then leveraging some of the metadata and some of the data that you've extracted for, you know, for further classification, right. To meet a regulatory requirement, right. To meet a business need, whatever it might be. Um, you know, the, that's, that's where, you know, we have just amassed so much experience, 
from a industry vertical perspective, right? Because it varies dramatically between industries, right? In meeting some of those compliance needs in particular, um, you know, and, and that's where I think, you know, we add a lot of value. So when I talk about value added services in our portfolio, you know, that's where you'll see a lot of our focus in the future, I believe. I mean, our, our products that can do everything from, you know, taking paper records and, and scanning them into a system that allows them to be searchable, um, which, you know, is important. It makes it as easy to interact with as a PDF or a Word document, stuff that's been sitting in a box. Um, it does that. It goes all the way to predictive analysis where it's making recommendations about, you know, how I can improve my process and my business. Right. Um, you know, the other thing that people take for granted once this data is here, you know, we actually have an engine that takes compliance requirements based on region and vertical and a whole bunch of other things and lays it on top of your data to tell you, you know, what are your retention requirements? Are you out of band? Well, that can be done automatically once the data is there. The real power of it ends up being that at the end of the day, every piece of information that you've gathered about your business, your customer, your market, historically, for however long you've been keeping those records becomes accessible and usable. And that's the game changer. The tools you put on top of it facilitate that. But the idea that every piece of knowledge that you've acquired in however long you've been operating now becomes usable and now becomes something that you can use to drive decision points to improve your business. Right. That's a very powerful thing. And it's really unique because it's it's hitting now. It wasn't available 10 years ago. The data was there, but you couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, again, we're, we're talking kind of as we have a conversation about this, you know, this is some of the cutting edge of our portfolio, right? You know, we've, we've built yeah. these repositories, you know, we've built this, this policy center, right. Which give you some of the capabilities that you were talking about only now is that being integrated, you know, into some of these content management systems and integrated into some of these analytics platforms so that you can leverage all of that data. Um, and it is just, it is game changing as you put it. And I think that's a perfect way for us to end today because that is transformation right transformation is about those game changing things whether it's disrupting a market like we talked about earlier whether it's disrupting a process um you know whether it's evolving how you're interacting and doing business uh with your with your customers you know it, it's the 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 world is evolving with this digital transformation that we talk about hopefully we've you know hopefully we've defined that a little bit better for people hopefully people understand how it plays a part in that transformation um you know and hopefully everyone understands how critical this truly is because this is you know a, a whole new world that we're uh, that we're evolving in so with that Definitely. i appreciate uh, everybody's time and hopefully you yeah. found this valuable um, it was good talking everyone i hope you all enjoyed the podcast um we will be back hopefully quicker than last time uh now that we have our little rig set up in the offices and uh it's good talking to y'all cliff it was good talking to you and uh we'll see you guys next time yep take care